Place it comfortably. Well, morning everyone. Welcome to the first day of session on this lovely spring day. Um, the topic for this opening Dharma talk, which is something I've been talking about recently on Tuesday, but just to expand on it a bit and share it with everyone, is I've become um, of late coming more in touch with the, the Taoist roots of Zen practice. And um, as you may well know, or I can remind you, is that Zen practice, the practice that we've inherited through, um, that was originated in China, is a marriage between Buddhism and Taoism. And we tend to emphasise its Buddhist um, side of it a lot. Um, but I think it's really important to, um, to talk about the Taoist side of it as well. And if I can um, have a bit of licence to use yin and yang concepts, you know, which are the, which are the concepts of Taoism, I think if anything, Buddhism's be kind of become like the yang principle, the dominant, the dominant male principle, you know, we all hear about, and the, the feminine... Taoist, the yin side of it, um, is not spoken about so much and I want to highlight that side of it and highlight the, the, um, the side of um, effortless effort in what we do in Zen practice. And as you may know, as Buddhism went from country to country, it didn't try to um, replace um, the... Uh, native religion which was there like Christianity tended to do or Islam, it tended to blend and merge with the, with the native culture and the native religion. So in Tibetan Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism is an integration of Buddhism with the Bon religion of Tibet which existed long before Buddhism came there. Same with Taoism um, in China and Shinto in Japan. And some people put forward the, um, the view, which I tend to agree with, that as Buddhism is coming west, that the native, we wouldn't call it a religion, but the native, the most dominant way of looking or understanding at the dominant, uh, of looking at the inner life, which is psychology or psychotherapy, is kind of like the, um, the native religion in a sense, or the... the um, the native way that Buddhism is now integrating within Western culture. But anyway, that's by way of introduction. And um, uh, you may have read in one of Althea's um, Zen chats a number of months ago, um, she mentioned this book to read, The Tao of Pooh mm -hmm. and The Day of Piglet, The Principles of Taoism Demonstrated by Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. Uh -huh. And it's a great book, and um, uh, like Althea, I would, I would strongly recommend that you read it um, to get an understanding of some of the Taoist principles that underlie our practice, the spirit of it. And um, as it says in this book, there is a famous painting um, in China, um, which is called The Vinegar Tasters, and it's the three founders of the main religions of China standing around 
a big vinegar bowl. So there's Confucius and there's Buddha and there's Lao Tzu, who's the founder of Taoism. And they're all tasting the vinegar. They're all sticking their finger in the vinegar pot and tasting it. And Confucius has got a very sour look on his face. And uh, it sort of uh, uh, implies that the, the, the Confucianist way of looking at life is to see that um, you know, the great life existed with the ancients and we've messed it up and people have got to live according to certain rules and status and lots of rules and rules and rules in terms of how you act in society and do things in a very um, minute kind of way. And so he's got a, got a, a, a sort of a, a sour taste about life, that it's been spoiled in somehow. And then the Buddha's got a bitter taste um, the idea being that Buddhism, the Buddha saw the world as the place of suffering, you know, and you would transcend it and go to nirvana. Well, not all Buddhists think about it that way these days, particularly in the Zen school. And maybe that's because of the Taoist influence there, um, <clears throat> that we don't, we're not, we're life-affirming rather than sensing this, we've got to get out of here to a better place somehow. But uh, Lao Tzu is dipping his fing finger in the vinegar bowl and tasting it and he's smiling. He's the only one who's smiling. And he's saying, life as it is, is sweet. Mm -hmm. Now vinegar is not necessarily a sweet tasting substance like honey. It's not like honey sweet. But if you just taste the vinegar as being vinegar without making all of these judgments about it, life is sweet. Mm -hmm. And it's about, Taoism is about embracing that fundamental simplicity and sweetness of life. Hence Winnie the Pooh and Piglet. Mm -hmm. For in the stories of um, Winnie the Pooh, um, Winnie the Pooh is this kind of silly, doddering little bear who uh, asks a lot of silly questions and can't accumulate any kind of intellectual knowledge at all. But he always naturally just seems to do the right thing. You know, things seem to happen okay for him. And when they get lost in the forest, he's the one who actually finds their way out of the forest by just observing and being natural to what's there. Everyone else gets everyone lost and more and more lost. And uh, that's the spirit in which to practice sin. That's why I made those comments last night that our... Our goal here, if there's a goal, is to become happy idiots right, rather than clever Buddhists. Mm -hmm. Or as uh, Benjamin Hoff says in here in regard to Confucianists, desiccated Confucianist scholars. <laughs> the Buddha scholars. And another metaphor, there's some lovely metaphors which are used in Taoism to express it. And um, it's natural that they would use metaphors rather than sort of linear discourses, you know, logical discourses, because that captures the nature of Taoism more effectively. And one is the uh, uncarved block. The uncarved block is just a simple piece of wood. It's just plain, unadorned. It hasn't been made into anything beautiful. It's just as it is in its original nature. Mm -hmm. We use a Buddhist term, that's what we would refer to as Buddha nature. 
Buddha nature not being some pure God-like kind of state, but rather Buddha nature just being your original nature as it is, you who you are, just being yourself, is what Buddha nature is. And that's the Taoist principle as well, of the uncarved block, just the unadorned, unmanipulated experience, <clears throat> just being as we are. Because as I was talking about um, in a talk at another centre a couple of weeks ago and also on Tuesday night, um, Zen practice, if it works, re really brings us down into the the deepest acceptance of ourself to the point that you couldn't even say that you're accepting yourself. Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of a silly statement to make that some part of you is going to accept the other part. It's just kind of a, a wholehearted, deep experience that you are just okay the way you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really liberating, that's fundamentally what's really liberating about this practice. Let me introduce you to some of the other characters in Winnie the Pooh, too, to give a contrast. One is Rabbit, and one is Owl, and one is Eeyore. And according to Benjamin Hoff, they all represent different types of ways of knowing compared to innocence. Mm -hmm. So Rabbit represents the kind of the mind of someone who's very clever and wants to be clever. You know, must have the solutions to everything. Mm -hmm. And Owl and is um, the person who wants to accumulate knowledge to appear wise. Mm -hmm. And um, Eeyore is the kind of person who wants to accumulate knowledge so they can complain about things, which refers to as the Eeyore attitude, mm -hmm. which is very predominant when you reflect on it. And it's worthwhile just examining, you know, at times reflecting how much these other characters come into play in the way that we live our life. Do we accumulate knowledge just to complain and whinge about things with a sort of cynical sense of humour? Mm -hmm. Or do we need to look clever or do we need to look wise? Winnie mm -hmm. the Pooh doesn't have to do any of those things. Or Piglet for that matter. We'll come to Piglet later. And um, so that's the, that's the uh, menagerie of characters in that story. Um, it reminds me too, after reading this, um, I wrote a little children's poem in the spirit of this. And um, as a way of introduction, um, many of us um, have household pets like cats and dogs and so on, because I think in many ways, they remind us of the natural way of being. You know, not people often comment how their, their cats or their dogs are really good teachers mm -hmm. because they're not caught up in all of this accumulation of knowledge and they just seem to act in a natural kind of way. So let me anyway show you my little children's poem about my dog. It's called The Dog With His Head Out The Window. On a bright sunny morning, in the sweet summer air, he flies past in a car with the wind in his hair. His ears are pinned back, he has places to go. He's the dog with his head out the window. He swims in the ocean and he rolls in the dust. 
He's Lord of the manor, but he don't earn a crust. He has not a care and nothing to show. He's the dog with his head out the window. He loves other dogs, old ladies and chaps. He's even a mate of the neighbourhood cat. He runs with the wolves and he goes with the flow. He's the dog with his head out the window. But if you think his life is all skittles and beer, there is just one moment when he sheds a small tear. And that's in the night, alone in his room, when he whimpers and mumbles and howls at the moon. For he misses his mum from a long time ago. He's the dog with his head out the window. But he's up bright and early the very next morn, and his ears are pinned back, and he's feeling reborn. With the wind in his face, and his eyes all aglow, he's the dog with his head out the window. <laughs> so, how do we apply all of this to um, our practice today? It really boils down to the way, the spirit in which we practice today and the rest of the session, that we, we practice with a spirit of effortless effort. Mm-hmm. Um, we can try so hard to concentrate on the moment that our, that our energy is going on to concentrating rather than being in the moment, mm-hmm. over trying. And it's something that all of us do, certainly I did um, and, uh, for many, many years. And you can be in the moment, and then if you've got that frame of mind, it's, it's somehow it's not enough. You've got to be in the moment even more. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly overshooting the mark all the time, you know, trying to be a good meditator. Mm-hmm. Of course, the alternative is not just to sit here and daydream. Um, but effortless effort is the kind of spirit where you, you just turn up to pay attention to what is and there is a sense of receiving the moment rather than trying to get to the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of trying to manipulate your experience in any kind of way or manipulate your emotions or try to become karma, whatever. It's just simply turning up to what is. And if you do that, um, meditation's never boring. Meditation's only ever boring because you're not meditating. Mm -hmm. You're doing something else. Um, But when, when you're actually in the the act of meditating and willing to be taken along in the stream of the present moment, then boredom doesn't really come into it. Another way of putting it, um, and you could put this in a Christian context as well as a Buddhist one, it's like a, a lot of Christians who pray to God, you know, please God make me a better person or whatever, um, they're like they've got a radio transmitter on and they're, and they're transmitting to God all the time. They've got, like, they're talking to God. You know? And really what they need to do is switch over to the receiver button rather than transmitting. 
and just receive. Receive what life is giving us at this moment rather than trying to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. In, in um, Christianity they call it the grace of God. You, know, you don't have to make any big effort to be a Christian. You just open yourself up and you open your heart up to the grace of God. So whether we use Christian concepts or Taoist ones or Buddhist ones, it's the, the principle is the same. It's just turning up to receive. And if you do it in that spirit, um, meditation becomes an enjoyable thing to do by and large, even though there, there might be pain or whatever. And when you reflect on like coming along to Tuesday night sitting or wherever you, you may sit, you know, and you get, you get young people coming along and young new people coming along and you've got old people who've been sitting for a while. And by and large, the older people seem to sit more still and more relaxed than the younger people. Now you would think from a physical point of view that the younger people should be able to sit better because they're more flexible and they're not arthritic and so on. And yet when, when, you, when you look at it and you observe, you find many of the new young people are so restless and they can't sit still and they're moving and scratching. And, and the older people who've been sitting for a long time, they're just effortless. There's no effort to actually stay still. Mm -hmm. And that's that Taoist principle at work. Mm -hmm. Effortless effort. It doesn't come from the body. It's kind of like it's a, it's, um, make the mind out to be something different from the body. But it's, it's in the mind. It's within the attitude with which you, you sit. You just become more naturally settled. That's the Tao working. Mm -hmm. Rather than the struggling to get somewhere and struggling full of expectation. So when you sit, it's just really coming, it's coming back to this external environment um, which surrounds us all the time and, and, and that we're embodied in. And it's coming back to just what we are each moment. And it's not trying to be anything other than what we are just in this moment. I think it was Mayazumi Roshi, who was my teacher's teacher, who said something to the effect that um, as you are right now is far better than what you will ever think you will be. Mm -hmm. So, as we go through this session, um, please practice with that in mind. Thank you.